Welcome to this latest edition of Combinations, the podcast from North Staffordshire Combined Healthcare NHS Trust. What, I, what we want to do with this uh, podcast is take a step up and look at some of the strategic things that the, the Trust have been, uh, has been doing over recent months and, and recent years. Um, and one of the fantastic examples of that is Matt Johnson. Matt, you've... Um, you originally were with the Trust for over a decade. Yeah, long time. Long time, yeah. long time. And left in 2018 yeah. to go off to do other things and couldn't stay away. Here no. we are, 16 months later after you left. Yeah. You, you were back. Back again. Um, tell us, why, why couldn't you stay away? <laughs> uh, lots of reasons, really. I guess, as you say, I have a long history with the Trust. Started here in uh, 1996 as a honorary assistant psychologist back when uh, City General Hospital was still a thing. Um, took some time out from my um, psychology undergraduate, which was a, it was a pilot scheme back then that Staffs Union were doing. There was four of us that came and we spent a year, very fortunately, as assistant psychologists, which was a really sort of rare opportunity then. And um, yeah, I just kind of really enjoyed the whole experience of being part of that service and what psychology was all about great learning opportunity went back and finished my degree and then ultimately got onto training and and was very fortunate to uh, get a place um, at first employment post back in the trust which was great and you know in, in a job that I wanted to do working with children with disabilities um, and that's pretty much where I sort of stayed from sort of 2004 onwards really um, I took the most of every opportunity that came along to kind of move into different roles, again, different experiences. Um, I spent a long time working in the Children and Young People's Service, um, Quality and Governance Lead for CAMS, um, and, and then prior to me leaving, I was uh, obviously Clinical Director for Learning Disabilities, uh, which was a you know, fantastic experience, extremely challenging in many ways, but great learning experience and you know, really pleased to have had that opportunity to do that. Um, I guess my reasons for leaving were kind of one of those um, sort of reached a point in my career, I suppose, where it's kind of, well, what do I do next? Where do I go next? I've, I've been clinical director and, you know, I could, I could hopefully carry on doing that again or I've got an opportunity to do something that's quite unusual, which is to kind of be part of creating a, a really needed service for families. So I was offered the opportunity to set up a, an autism service uh, for children and young people uh, for, a, for a national charity. Uh, which which is a really fantastic opportunity in a purpose-built building up at Keele University. Um, And I guess I just felt at that time it was a good way for me to kind of use my skills to create something for families which is really needed, which recognising that the NHS was not in a position to actually fill all those gaps nationally that we've got around autism services. So kind of went away and did that for 16 months. Uh, which service is now open and, and, you know, having good feedback from families, which was great. But I guess if I'm honest, I kind of felt like I was kind of not really making the best use of of my skills and my experiences. And I really missed being part of the something bigger, just that being part of the NHS, I think, despite all its challenges and frustrations and, you know, financial challenges that we've got at the moment and workforce issues and, you know, the ever-increasing demands that we've got to do more with less, actually being part of the NHS is something that you can't really compare to, to anything else. And I really missed being part of that and being, you know, working alongside people with the same sort of, sort of values and ambitions and attitudes and the kind of culture of what it means to be part of the NHS, to do something for 
the population, you know, the thing that drives us to come into work every day. Um, and yeah, when this opportunity came up, I thought, well, yeah, that's that's perfect timing because I'd sort of reached a, a sort of an end of a chapter in terms of the post that I was in, and that was obviously going forward to do great things, hopefully. Um, but this coming back here was was yeah a fantastic opportunity, and yeah, I'm extremely proud and privileged to be in a position to sort of lead the psychological services workforce in the trust. That's that's you know an, an amazing opportunity, and I was absolutely thrilled to uh, to be offered the post. It's a new role and a new way in which the trust itself is organising, isn't it? Because um, as I understand it, the uh, previously we had uh, straightforward sort of vertical uh, vertical directorates, and they organised things around that. And now we're moving to a much more um, um, organic, if you like, locality based. Yeah. structure there's interesting things and part of that role is introducing these roles of professional leads mm-hmm. and so and, and, and that's the role that you've come into for psychology isn't it yeah and so I was wondering yeah. if you could explain a little bit about how that new role of, of professional leads works and and, and the, the the benefits that that brings and the opportunities yeah yeah so I think you know psychology um, as a workforce you know it is certainly extremely in demand across the NHS there's, there's a real growth uh, opportunity there for psychological services staff, not just clinical psychologists, but the broader psychological services workforce. Um, again, thinking back to when I started in the trust in '96, you know, the psychology service used to fit in in one building at, uh, at City General, and uh, I think the child psychology service back then was was two days of a part time psychologist and, a, and an assistant. That was the entire CAM service. So obviously we're in a very different place now. It's expanded hugely and in loads of opportunities for further growth and development. So when you've got obviously such a diverse workforce working at lots of different levels and a whole range of services, and we have got you know a really diverse range of services that, that psychology staff work into in the trust. So we need to make sure that those staff are properly trained, supported, that they have access to the right development opportunities, that they're doing the work that's appropriate in the teams, that they're making the best use of their skills and resources. It's obviously we want to deliver as much value for money as possible across all the teams that we work into. And we need to make sure that we've got someone who's actually responsible for organising the strategic direction that the psychological services workforce are working in. Yes, we're working in teams and we want our staff to be fully integrated within teams. And I think that's one of the things which is Um, we're sort of working more on at the moment. I think some of our services have have had a long history of psychology staff being very integrated within the teams and for other teams that's a more recent development so we're still trying to sort of make sure that we've got all the right supports in place to make that sort of equitable across the patch. But what we need is to make sure that all those staff, whichever team they're in, are feeling part of the psychological services workforce. It's something that unites people as much as people have very different roles and skills and abilities We want to make sure that people are feeling part of something bigger as well, that they can see that their workforce is represented at trust level, that we're having the right conversations to make sure that we're considering where psychology can add value to new services and that we're using staff in the right way, that we're developing staff, actively recruiting the right staff and obviously, most importantly, doing the right things to retain staff as well. So obviously we want to make sure that staff will grow and, you know, develop with the trust. And I think, you know, within the local area, Stoke-on-Trent. You know, we're very good at staying put. You know, I think we tend to um, work in the local area. We don't tend to have a lot of sort of transition people moving around. Once people join a trust, they're happy and supported, then they will stay and add value. And that's obviously what we really want to be doing with our staff. So my role really is to make sure that we've got the right staff in place, 
that I, you know, I work with operational leads, clinical directors, associate directors, clinical leads, quality improvement leads, to make sure that we're having the right joined up conversations, that when we're looking at new services or re-evaluating existing services where we've got vacancies that we need to be considering or different ways of working or we're introducing new clinical pathways, that we've got a seat at the table and we're joining in those conversations so that we've got multidisciplinary discussion around what's right for, for nursing, for AHPs, for psychology, for medical staff, because ultimately it's about that team focus. You know, we want to be working as an integrated team um, and my role is to make sure that we've got good representation from the psychological services workforce, we've got the right staff in place, adding the right skills and values and make sure that then we've got you know, obviously the best quality care for patients. Right. Okay. Now, it, it, it's interesting. Just just two, three of the things you mentioned there. You know, if, if you look back um, over the uh, the the initial episodes that we've done on this podcast, it's remarkable how many of those things are in the things that we've done. So you you know, CAMS was the first one we ever did. All talking about the CAMS Trailblazer, the fantastic CAMS Trailblazer. We've talked about RLD services. We've talked. We've had patient stories about about. Um, um, uh, parents with ch- children with autism yeah. and with so it's 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 really is a, a really rich vein that runs Absolutely. through everything yeah. that combined does and as, as when you know when you said there you can concentrate on something on something bigger that the, the bigger picture yeah. you know somebody who's, who's not a psychologist okay so which you know myself lots of people listen to this podcast what is tell us what it what is Big picture. What is if you had to say psychology is just this huge, amazing thing? What what, what would be your sort of paean of praise, if you like, for the big picture? Um, I, I guess for our workforce, one of the things that's really key is to make sure that we've got a a strategic direction, so that people can have a sense of you know, yes, this is my role within the team, but actually I'm part of this bigger workforce, and within the trust, this is actually what this workforce is actually working towards. So one of the key things that I'm working on with the Directorate Psychology Leads is pulling together our first strategy for psychological services workforce across the trust. And that's something that we're hoping to be able to deliver at the end of this year. And we'll have a launch event sort of end of November, early December time to kind of share that with with the wider trust and explain what what we feel is our vision for psychological services workforce. And then out of that, we will develop some work streams to make sure that we can start to deliver against those action plans. When we look at the NHS long term plan and the mental health implementation plan, there are some very specific asks in there around the psychological services workforce with a you know, projected demand for an additional 8,000 psychological services staff over the next five years, which includes 2,500 clinical psychologists and, and another 5,500 psychological services workforce staff, including psychotherapists. So that's a big ask in terms of growth and development. Um, and that's across a whole range of services, including sort of children and young people's services, IAPT services, um, acute mental health, inpatient and community services and some new growth areas as well. Um, problem gambling is, is one of the things that's been highlighted in the, in the mental health implementation plan and there are specific asks in there about psychological services staff in those new pilot services. So those are some real drivers nationally that as a trust obviously we want to be trying to engage with that uh, and in order to do that we need to have a plan. Yeah, we, we, we need to have a strategy, we need to have a sense of 
what we're about, what skills and resources we've got within the trust, where we've got gaps, how do we actually go about filling those gaps? You know, do we need to be looking at training different staff, using different skill mix? Have we got workforce gaps that we need to grow? And obviously thinking, how do we do that in partnership with colleagues across the border? Yeah, we are part of an STP, so we need to be thinking about the sort of regional picture as well as what we're doing locally and what are the opportunities to kind of grow services jointly as well. So for me, it's really about having a joined up strategy that everyone can buy into and have a sense of, yes, this is my role. This is how the trust is supporting me in my role. So I've got, you know, the right support, access to training, growth, development opportunities, but also then the sense of what the trust is about. Where's the trust going with this workforce? How are we going to contribute to the bigger picture? And I think that's been missing over the, over the last sort of two or three years. And I think people really want that sense of knowing what the workforce is about, how they fit, yes, within a directorate and then within a team, because that's really important. That's how we work day to day. But the bigger picture stuff in terms of, right, so I'm a psychologist or I'm a high intensity therapist or I'm a CBT therapist. What's my contribution to the bigger picture? How do I fit? What are the opportunities for growth? And there are, say, huge opportunities for, for growth of the workforce over the next five years. And, and how, how, are you, how are you engaging frontline staff? How, how are you actually, if they've got lots of ideas and they want to feed into, yep. you know, the development of, of, of this vision and the plan, how, 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 how do they do that? So my, my colleague Stephanie Hutton and, and Darren Perry beforehand have done a lot of the consultation events with, with staff uh, with including execs as well we've had some good exec representation with service users and carers with our trainees who are a really important part of our workforce planning so there's lots of ideas already in the mix in terms of what we should be thinking about as a workforce and that will give us the kind of broad brush strategic focus the kind of big ticket items that we know we've got to be working towards some of that we can probably roll out in terms of a few quick wins but what we really want to do is next steps so about engaging the workforce to actually help us to implement the action plans that will drive the strategy that will make it a reality you know it'd be very easy to write a 50 page strategy document everyone says that's beautiful and it sits on a shelf and no one ever does anything with it, you know, which is, you know, what tends to happen with most strategy documents, isn't it? What we really want to be doing is producing something that's actually short, punchy, bite-sized, people can pick it up, get a clear sense of what the workforce is about. And then out of that, we can then develop some action streams, which will lead our staff to actually get involved in the delivery of that strategy. And that's really the sort of next steps. And that will very much be taking place Probably early part of next year, I say we sort of tasked ourselves with producing a, a draft strategy by the end of this year. We'll roll that out and share that with everybody. And then the next steps will be to say, right, these are our key objectives. Who's going to help us? Who's going to get involved and actually help us to make that a reality? We obviously want it to be owned by frontline staff, not, not to be something that's just delivered by senior leadership team, because that's, that obviously is, is not really what we want to be about. Brilliant. Okay. Now, you, you talked there about the, the, the challenges in terms of um, workforce and recruitment and the increasing demand and all of that. And, we, yeah. and, we, and um, the, there's, there's lots of ways in which we need to sort of, you know, um, expand our footprint and yeah. look for other ways. But at, at the core, yeah. at the core of what we do, for uh, whether for a long time has been the relationship with Staffordshire University, hasn't yes. it? Yeah. So I'm wondering, uh, for, for, the, for, for people who might not know a little bit about the partnership that we've got with, with, with Staffordshire Uni, how, how, how does that work and what does that bring? So it can be sort of a 10-year process from sort of, you know, first starting your degree to actually completing your training. So it's a big investment 
um, for, for anyone to kind of undertake that journey, obviously. Um, because of that, obviously, we really value our trainees. Uh, you know, they're, they're kind of critical. Um, we know because we know they're on a long journey. It's quite a stressful journey as well. So you're you're working half-time clinical placements, as well as juggling the demands of, of a clinical doctorate, which has obviously quite a high level of uh, academic demands, as well as exams and written coursework, and um, ultimately your kind of big research thesis, which you have to be vivid on, etc. So, so the demands are really quite intense. So trainees, you know, really need looking after and really important to us that we kind of grow our own future workforce. Um, so I, I trained at Birmingham, which was the kind of default local course um, before the staff's uni course came into being. And we used to be able to do all of our placements in the local area. So I trained at Birmingham, would commute there three days a week on the joys of the M6. And then you'd spend two or three days on clinical placement um, in, in the trust usually. Um, then hopefully, you know, end up getting, getting a job here, obviously, which is what I was fortunate enough to do. When staff's uni course came into being, they sort of took over the clinical placements from, from Birmingham. Um, and so that had become our sort of, yeah, go-to partner. Although we do host specialist placements for third-year trainees from other areas, uh, and in the same way that our staff's uni trainees can go out of area for, for a specialist third-year placement, if there's something they're particularly interested in, or a specialty that's not available in the local area, then you have an opportunity to go and pursue that interest elsewhere in your final year. But for the most part, our trainees, um, and most of our senior psychologists will have trainees on placement with them for either six months or, or 12 months of the year. Um, and you know, we, we really value having them on placement. It's great for us as staff. It's good to be challenged by people who are young and eager and excited and have got lots of new ideas. And it kind of keeps you on your toes to have a trainee. Um, and it's a core part of, of our job description as, as senior psychologists anyway, to kind of have um, that, you know, have a trainee and support them in their, in their development. And obviously really important that we kind of grow our workforce and having trainees on placement is one of the best ways of doing that. We have trainees, they come along, they have a great experience. We show them something about working in the trust and some of the services that we've got. Hopefully that sparks someone's interest and then we can retain them as part of our future workforce. So that relationship with Staffs Uni is, is critically important. And the feedback we get from trainees is fantastic in terms of their experience of being on placement. So the supervisor experience from um, our staff within the trust is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I met with a group of trainees yesterday who were just finishing their, their training and I'm meeting with our second year trainees just after I finish this conversation with you in fact. Um, to try and, you know, I, I sort of meet with our trainee cohorts every sort of six months so that we've got an opportunity to sort of explore any difficulties that they've got, anything that we can be doing differently as a trust to support them and also to celebrate the successes as well. So I did an exit interview with one of the trainees yesterday and it was just, you know, glowingly positive, um, which is fantastic to hear. Are you able to share with us some of the highlights, the specifics? What, what, what are they particularly like? Generally, the consensus seems to be that um, people think think experience that our supervisors are you know supportive you know they're available they will go above and beyond to make sure that trainees have got the resources that they need on placement um, that they have time and space that our supervisors are available and accessible even if they're not sort of on placement or in the office on that particular day that there's always someone that they can contact for support and advice and guidance that we're doing much more than just kind of ticking the boxes, that we're actually building really positive and supportive relationships with our trainees, that we're actually there for them, supporting their career development, 
supporting them in their kind of research aspirations. We're, we're providing the kind of support structures that trainees need to get, get the most out of their placement. You know, I always say to trainees, when they come on placement with me, you'll get out of it what you put into it. And that's true, of course. You know, you could go on placement and just do the bare minimum and probably pass the placement. But if you go and kind of really involve yourself in the work of the team and connect with as many people as possible and show interest, generally you get that paid back tenfold. But ultimately, it's about that relationship between yourself and your supervisor that's going to make the difference. And the feedback from trainees is that our supervisors are just genuinely interested, supported, enthusiastic, available and really committed to making sure that trainees have a great experience on placement. And that, that is a consistent story, which I think is fantastic and should be really be celebrated. In all honesty, and, and one of the many reasons I came back is, you know, we do have a really diverse range of services that we've got psychology staff working into which I think is you know, absolutely fantastic you know there are parts of the country where you will go and you will not find psychology workforce in services um, I think here yes there's more work to be done there always is but we've we've got a really good thread I think through the vast majority of our services which has got some representation and I'm not just talking about you know clinical psychology I say I'm the broader psychological services workforce it's about supporting people with that MDT approach taking a psychologically informed approach to supporting and delivering the best care possible and we've got we, yeah we've got some fantastic services people will know about 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 many of them I'm sure people have seen in the blog that you know we, we obviously have our team of psychology in Oswestry that just won the spinal injuries care award which is fantastic we have services in the new acute and inpatient and PICU services now, that's a fantastic resource to have a psychologist in there and I guess that might be quite quite unusual for people to think about having a psychologist there because people are generally you know there for quite a short duration but having a psychologist in post who can actually support the staff and work with the sort of bigger service picture in terms of how that service operates and how we can best support people to have the best quality care when they're in that acute crisis and in a bed for hopefully a very short period of time. It's not traditionally perhaps a role where you might think, oh, well, a psychologist will be in there because they can do therapy with that person. But, you know, a lot of our staff work in very different ways particularly senior psychology staff are working to provide consultation and supervision and support to staff. They're working with the systems and the clinical pathways and working with the bigger picture, not necessarily working hand in hand with the patient every time. And that's the real added value for psychology. And that's, that's what's kept me in psychology for the last 20 years or whatever, because I think there's a whole range of skills which used appropriately, we can really add value um, as a psychology workforce and that's where I'm starting to see those examples now across the trust where we're using psychologists in different ways to really grow services and I think we've got loads of opportunities to do that going forward as I say the long-term plan you know provides lots and lots of opportunities for us to kind of grow services and expand the workforce working in partnership as I say with nursing AHP and medical colleagues to provide a really cohesive MDT approach which as we all know is, is the best route to success for patients let's just get in the TARDIS right we get in the TARDIS and we've gone forward five years okay we've just walked out and it's just been a stunning success if it could be a stunning success what would you think if there's one thing you'd say do you know what that shows why it's been a great success what, what, what do you think that'd be I think for me it would be I mean, if we take the big vision in terms of obviously what we're all sort of working towards then locality based working obviously is, is, is the kind of future if we think about what that looks like 
and you know, population-based models of care where we're providing you know, really integrated services for local populations so that we're meeting social and health needs in a, you know, a location which is accessible for patients and is actually delivering the things that they want on their doorstep so that people don't have to shop around for you know, five, six or seven different appointments just to kind of get the support that they need. And that within that, we've got a thread of, of psychological services, which is informing the care that patients get, not necessarily having a psychologist or a therapist or a psychotherapist or a CBT therapist in post, but actually having staff working in that psychologically informed way, to me, that, that would be, yeah, fantastic. <laughs>